Hello and welcome to CIO Leadership Live New Zealand. I'm Cathy O'Sullivan, Editor-in-Chief for CIO in Asia-Pacific. And today I'm thrilled to be chatting to Miles Fordyce. Miles is the Chief Digital and Innovation Officer at the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand, otherwise well known here in New Zealand as RIAN. So prior to joining RIAN, uh, Miles was Head of Data and Practice Management at Insurance Giant Tower, He's also had, he's also been head of operations and uh, enterprise services at Foodstuffs North Island and helped senior positions at Auckland Transport and New Zealand Post. All very well-known Kiwi organizations. Sure, Miles, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Kathy. Great to have you. And so, you know, as I said there in the in the bio, you know, lots of experience in transformation and 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 you've been at Rianne's now for a couple of years. So can you tell us a bit more about your role there and what your team does? Sure. Um first of all, thanks for having me. Um I think and I'll, I'll just I'll just slightly correct you. It's it's Ryan's men. <laughs> I, I made I made the same mistake when I when I first walked in the door, I was I swore it was this name, but if I just refer to it as Ryan's, it just makes the conversation flow so much better. Listen, okay. now, Ryan's is an organization which has been around for um, I think close on a hundred years. It's it's getting getting pretty old and in, in where we um have, have driven our, our roots from, uh, working with the real estate industry for an awfully long time. Um, a lot of people have seen the brand, so they are very familiar with the brand, but probably don't have a good appreciation for what the organization does and, and how we sort of fit in. So we're a membership-based organization. Uh, we've got about 17,500 members. Um, and it's really our role to empower our members with resources, data, tools, forward-thinking commentary. Uh, we offer advisory services and work closely with uh, government and other regulatory bodies around um, legislation or regulation that might be coming through. Uh, we offer training and events uh, to the industry. And really, we sort of help connect uh, uh, the industry together, provide knowledge, insights, resources, data. So we're really sort of that, that central body that, that brings uh, the real estate uh, industry together. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty interesting time. So as most people will know, uh, real estate is never a dull moment um, and everyone follows it with interest. Absolutely. It's certainly a, a passion of uh, a lot of Kiwis and especially a lot of people here in Auckland. And um, now, as I said earlier, you, you've worked in a number of roles for a lot of very well-known Kiwi organizations who have all gone through their own um, transformation. Um, but the word transformation thrown around, you know, it, as if it's just a given, it's happening everywhere all the time. But in reality, it, it's quite hard. It's not easy to do. So can you talk us through um, your approach to transformation during your career? Sure. Um, look, transform the word transformation, as you said, is, is it's thrown around a lot. And I think the word transformation has actually changed um, through the technology decades. Transformation back in the, the early 90s, late 90s, through to 2000s has meant different things as time has gone on. And I think... You know, my approach has been that the transformation is never easy. It's a journey. Um, it's it's certainly been part of the way I've looked at, at my own career, um, which has had twists and turns all the way through. Um, as I sort of sort of developed uh, a need to work with the business, work with the technical teams, and understand just how transformation can actually assist 
businesses get to a certain point. And I think back in the early days, transformation was very focused around just a major system implementation and they attached the word um, transformation to that. Whereas nowadays, transformation takes on such a far more broader context than just the, the technical element. Um, particularly in my own career, if I just start trying to associate it back to, to what I've done, you know, I've moved from banking, consulting, airlines, education, logistics, uh, postal services, um, transportation, like you, like there's lots of different areas. And I think each of those um, different sort of market segments uh, has got unique challenges um, associated with it. But underpinning all of that really has been a desire for uh, improvement and for strategy to be strongly connected back to um, you know, technology and how technology can support that being driven forward. Um, I think, you know, just in my own career, looking at the different roles I've, I've also played it has helped me gain a good level of understanding. So whether it be from being a developer, program manager, I've done data centers, networks, I've done risk security, architecture, strategy, having, having that experience across all the different facets of technology has given me a really good ability to understand the challenges that each of those functions play in helping the organization move forward. Um, I think it's probably been more evolution than revolution um, when it comes to looking at the way um, transformation really does make a difference uh, and the things that need to be done at each of the stages of the journey. Um, I think, you know, from attaching it to the, the outcomes. Um, you know, the focus, like I said earlier, was nowadays is, is far more around linking the, the technology supporting business transformation. And I think what I've seen in the last five years, at least, has been a big focus around the connection far more strongly to digital being an enabler rather than digital leading the journey of around, around transformation. Absolutely. So, so what does transformation mean for your organization? How is your digitization program tracking at, at Rials? <laughs> you'll, you'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, I think yeah, transformation for Ryan's really is a has been a big thing for them over the last couple of years. When I joined, uh, we had a number of legacy systems that needed to be replaced. Uh, our business processes were. Uh, whilst working, certainly had an opportunity to uh, have an improvement. Our website was terrible. Um, you couldn't find anything. It was difficult to get information. It was difficult to connect. And being a membership-based organization, we have to pride ourselves on that sort of um, member engagement, member experience, and making it easy for people. Um, so our transformation journey really has been to do a complete replacement of a number of key components that that underpin our business, whether it be a brand new website, a brand new member management system, a brand new CRM, a brand new learning management system, uh, a brand new events management system, uh, the ability for us to connect and engage through single sign-on through to our external applications. All of these things um, we undertook and completed within about seven months. So transformation for us has been not only just 
tweaking some of the components, it really has been a fundamental change of pretty much every single technology, every single business process uh, at the same time as trying to keep our lights on and run the business. So it's been a it's been a hell of a journey uh, for transformation for, for Ryan's. Uh, we're not finished yet either. I mean, um, I know that we'll probably get on to some of the things around transformation in a little bit more detail later, but um, for us, the, the first stage of transformation, which has been to get the systems and get the processes, get the business onto the new platform is, is, the, is the, I guess, in some respects, the easy bit. Now the hard bit starts. Um, I often describe it to the team as having a Ferrari parked in the garage or, or something like that. Now you've got the keys. Now you need to learn how to drive it. And you have to drive it differently. It doesn't, it doesn't drive the same way as what you've always done. So there will be changes in the way that we have to do things. There'll be changes in the way our members engage. There'll be changes in the way we communicate and engage across the industry. So there's so much potential that is, that is locked in, in that space. And now as we go forward, um, really unlock that potential and really develop uh, new capabilities for the team. Um, a brand new marketing automation tooling set across the top of it uh, also helps us transform the way that we've traditionally engaged um, and focus now more on sort of, uh, I guess, customer journey, customer experience as a as a state of things as they flow through. So if you think of it, uh, maybe around our, our membership renewal process, for example, now that we can sort of understand uh, who, our, who our market segment is that we want to target, we can send them communications um, and keep them regularly engaged through that process. And even after they've completed, we still have the ability to execute a digital journey for them after that process as well. So, you know, digital transformation for Rise has been uh, a, a big thing for the organization uh, and still continues to be. Um, the good thing is, is, like I said, is that we've we've done the we've done the easy bit, which is the the, the technology. Uh, the hard bit is around the people change, uh, the process change, and in, embedding that into our into our organization for the next six to twelve months, and then we'll then we'll be humming. So just on that, you know, it can be hard to change. You know, you've mentioned you're, you're changing quite a lot of systems and processes there in your organizations. So how do you deal with those those challenges or roadblocks when they come out? You know, can they ever be avoided or or mitigated? And what kind of process do you put in place to deal with those? Um, I think every organization is so different. It's, it's hard to have a defined list saying, right, here's, here's what works for us and therefore here's what's going to work going forward. I think the things which um, that we we found in, in Ryan's in particular were things that were quite unique to the organization because of its size, because of its scale um, and just the impact. Um, so I think the things that you can avoid or mitigate is really get an appreciation for the impact it's going to have uh, on the organization. It is never about the tech. It is always about the people change and managing expectations of that change um, throughout not only the beginning of the project or the program, but as you go through and certainly um, engaging stakeholders during the change. Um, one of the things that we we had and many organisations probably had last year and the year before that and the year before that was the, um, the change of people in the team. Um, people come and go. Uh, and when you have stakeholders also coming and going in that mix and you're doing a digital transformation program, and they are stakeholders that are heavily connected to the program. You almost have to go back to you know 
um, you know, first base again with them and bring the new person in on the journey about that change, particularly if you've got senior stakeholders um, that, have, that have moved during during the change. Um, I think for us, this was never about, um, uh, I guess, continuous improvement or just improving one part of our business. And I think with such a large scale of transformation for Ryan's, uh, we had to have executive support. We had to have board support all the way through. Um, and one of the key things for me is, is because of the size of change and the scale, we really had to have the board understand the why. It's easy for uh, some organisations for digital to drive through a digital transformation under the guise of digital transformation. But I, I think digital transformation is um, really just an enabler of, of business change. And therefore, with business change comes the need for very strong board support and very strong board understanding of the outcomes and making sure that um, the program delivers to those outcomes. So it's it's a it's just making sure that you've got that support, making sure that um, there are things that you're doing along the way that keep your stakeholders engaged. I think are probably key things I would be saying to anyone around digital transformation or, or making you know big change through organisations. Now, Miles, you mentioned earlier that you see transformation as you know um, an evolution, not a revolution, and it's yeah. just an, an ongoing part of of, of what we do. So. How do you manage that then from a change fatigue point of view? If, if if you're constantly changing things, how do you keep people both within your team and the wider organization engaged and avoid that kind of um, just, oh no, another process, another change? Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah I think you have to stop. Um, you have to stop, pause, uh, understand where you're at before you do the next, next charge, I, I guess. It's probably like climbing a mountain uh, in many respects. You can't you, you can't climb it all in one go, and don't don't ever try and do it in one go. Um, so with us now, as a really good example, we've we've done our major piece of digital transformation. We've got the tooling there. Before we go on to doing more and more and more, we need to stop, take stock of where we're at, how are people feeling, how's the team feeling. We've got a bunch of things that we weren't doing because we were focusing on the transformation. So we need to get back just to take down the things that we've had in our, in our backlog, just work through those, and then we'll take a methodical step into the next the next pieces. I think um, people uh, over the last couple of years uh, looking at well-being is particularly important. Um, and people, uh, I, th I think, feel stress and feel the pressure of change a lot more than perhaps what they used to. So I'm taking a very considered approach around just making sure the team um, take stock, have time to have a breath, um, you know, take a breather, and then we'll sort of move into the next pieces fairly soon. But just understanding that people need break um, as much as as much as anyone else, um, and need to celebrate it too. I think you know, with any transformation, being able to sort of segment it into pieces, take a break, celebrate. And then, and then we'll sort of work out the next next stages. We've got a very good plan. We've got a very good understanding about where we need to go. And um, it's getting a fine balance. In fact, one of the things I did find is um, pushing the the entire journey um, out. You need to be careful about how much you are talking about the, the longer journey when people are actually focused on the stuff here and now. Um, and so therefore talking too much about 
what's coming next, what's coming next, what's coming next, adds on to the burden of people going, oh my God, I'm, I'm busy doing this. And now he wants me to think about this and this and this. It's like, okay. So that's one of my learnings. I'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. This is just trying to focus around the team and what they what they need to focus on um, in, in being careful about it. Now, it seems a day doesn't go by at the moment without hearing about chat GPT or DALI-E or some form of, of AI. What role do you see for AI? Is, is it something that you see value for in your organization? Um, a little bit in the organization, but I think for the industry as a whole, it's got enormous value. Um, so for being a membership-based organization, there are things that we can do on the immediate horizon that there is going to be used for AI, whether it be looking at uh, more things around self-service and that's sort of just the initial engagement before um, you uh, perhaps engage with a human um, around just questions and answers and those sorts of general things and those sort of chatbot variants are probably going to get a lot smarter um, in the near future and certainly there's value in some of that for us. And some of the systems that we have, so we have uh, AI machine learning capability around house prices and the predictability of where a house may sell for. Uh, we've got some very smart tools and systems in um, around that. And certainly um, just as typical business process, I mean, the, the great thing is it has so many great answers that it can save a lot of time, particularly when you need a framework for something or you're looking for um, uh, I guess the way you might approach something, just being able to throw a question into chat GPT and get a very good framework as a starting point um, saves everyone a huge amount of time and, and effort just to get that off the line. I think longer term around the industry as a whole, I think AI is going to become a lot more prevalent uh, in uh, as, as, as human interaction to suggesting properties that may be of value to someone. Um, there might be things around smart contracts and interpreting contracts and the legal pieces that take um, a contract and a document through the process. So there's some very interesting opportunities around AI um, that are going to come through. That the um, the chat GPT, so the imagery side of things, not not so much around the um, I guess just the the straight text response. There's some very interesting things that are going to pop up around perhaps being able to suggest the type of property that you like and for it to generate some images around the sorts of things that you like and therefore be able to feed that back into a, a real estate process to either uh, build from scratch or to look at certain um, characteristics of a property that you might be able to put forward to a real estate agent. So there's some really interesting stuff. Um, it's such a fascinating area. It's everyone's sort of loving it and hating it at the same time. <laughs> because when a lot of people just roll their eyes at it go, oh my God, another chat GPT, someone, but it's kind of interesting. It's evolving. And as, as tech people, you know, we are geeks uh, deep down. So we love it, but we uh, are cautious of just how it's going to be used. Uh, but certainly potential, absolutely. It's, it's got, you got, you might be able to stop it. So you need to work out how to embrace it. Absolutely. It's certainly a fascinating space. Yeah. So then as um, Chief Digital and Innovation Officer at Ryan, uh, in what ways do you, um, I guess, influence the organization and, and the, the your peers, both on the leadership team and, and, and on the board? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think 
uh, be, uh, what's, what's um, being part of the conversation, I think. Um, I think on an executive team, one of your primary objectives is to, to make sure everyone's aligned. And that's not about just here's my area. Yeah, technology um, really is, uh, I guess, one of the rare touch points in an organisation that you you see all aspects of a business because you're you're supporting or enabling all the different parts. And I think it's a, it's a privileged position to be in um, that you have the ability to perhaps collaborate a lot more. Um, you've also got the ability to disappoint a lot more too when um, people are expecting you to to support their their own strategies. So. I think initially be part of the conversation. Uh, you need to listen and, and and guide at the same time. I think when it, you te- technology is an enabler, um, but it also needs to be a leader um, in its own respective area. So having insights as to where uh, technology could help or could enable to bring that back to the conversation is, is really key. Um, influencing in, in that space, also comes back to I think in order to influence I think you need to demonstrate trust um, and confidence and and probably outcome. Um, so you, you don't you don't get to influence just by coming and saying this is the way we're going. I think getting that trust and confidence in the people that you're trying to influence is key. Um, I had uh, I guess a, a big challenge early on in influencing quite a strategic outcome. That required us to, to to work with the the board around changing a particular technology direction um, where we were we were at a bit of a crossroads, um, and so just being clear up front, keeping it simple, don't talk to it, don't talk tech, um, just playing it straight is is pretty much how you you, you get to influence um, is is what I found in time. Um, and, and just being supportive of um, organizational goals uh, rather than just driving your own technical agenda is, is, is key. Now, technology has really been brought into sharp focus, you know, over the years, but particularly during the pandemic, as, as many organizations, you know, reshaped the way their workforces uh, operated. Do you think the role of the CIO has changed since the pandemic? And if so, how? Um, I don't know if the role of CIO has changed, but I think the role of leadership has changed, um, which is not just about the CIO, but I think it's around, as leaders, what everyone has found is the significant change in organisational culture, um, attendance as as being all in one space at one time, um, multiple multiple teams that are on-site, off-site, so our challenges as a CIO sort of fall, fall into the leadership piece as well, which is how do you enable the team to be connected, to be engaged across each of the different um, uh, across the different departments? How do you connect? And it's become a lot harder, I think, to get the team aligned to <clears throat> organizational strategy, the strategy of the technical team, the digital execution. It's, it's a lot harder. When everyone was working from home, we had, uh, I guess, uh, an allowance where you, know, you could be a little bit slower, more deliberate about it. But coming back, there's a big focus now around uh, execution and kicking st- kick, uh, kickstarting your strategy again. So we've got a pent-up demand. You've got a team that um, you're struggling to work out how leadership 
now works in a new and new paradigm of working. Uh, so it's, I think it's 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 changed definitely around the leadership piece more than just the the CIO piece. So what would you say then are some of those kind of key attributes of a modern day CIO when it comes to that leadership piece? Um, I think I think it's it's quite a big focus around empathy and culture um, that that certainly come through um, that you now need to be more empathetic. Uh, you need to be focusing on culture, which feeds into retention, you know, employee engagement. Everyone knows that uh, you need to hang on to the people that you've got. So therefore, you have to focus on those things. Um, pragmatism is probably another one I'd, I'd probably say. Um, modern, to be successful, you need to be pragmatic. You need, you know, 80%, I was having, sort of 80% is good enough for most of the time. Uh, technology and digital folk, often pride themselves on perfection. Uh, but I think being pragmatic about what you can actually achieve uh, and probably driving to outcomes. I think we've probably been a little bit lapsed over you know, previous years where we've been able to sort of accommodate uh, pace of change being slowed up as a result of working from home and, and those sorts of things. But now they're all back probably for the last six months, if not sort of seven, eight months, starting to see a lot more focus around driving for outcome. And I think that's a really key attribute to have is drive for those outcomes, be pragmatic um, and show empathy and, and drive your culture at the same time. And if you can do all of that, those, you're doing really well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So on the culture piece, Ben, how, how, you know, what does that look like for you with your team? You know, how, how do you inspire them and, and help them thrive in their roles and make sure that they feel really connected to the organization? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think just just in, in the team that I've got, it's it's um, certainly promoting from within is is a key one, and giving people new challenges. It's easy for people to just stay within a role, and that's all all they do. Uh, and it's easy for some people just to get down and just keep doing what they've done every day. And I think giving people the ability to uh, do different things and challenge the team on new ideas. Um, I've often been one for getting them thinking more about what they do and where it fits into the organization's vision and purpose and really talking about the why um, and, and why do you show up every day? You, you, what, what is what you're doing? How does it connect to the organizational strategy? Get them more involved in that connection to the organization um, is, has been a, a key one for us as well. Um, and I think we're, we're small enough as an organization to, to really celebrate uh, a number of things that some other larger organizations can't do. Um, we've got a big focus around celebrating diversity, personal milestones, caring about the team, and uh, bringing in a really good feel about belonging to the organization and being part of not only the, the digital team, but also part of the, the whole organization. So you mentioned their diversity and, you know, obviously it, it definitely um, a key part of high performing teams. You know, we've seen many studies that have shown that. Um, how do you get more diversity into your, think, into your team, whether that be, you know, diverse ways of thinking, you know, diversity in terms of, of gender or age or yeah. um, ethnicity? How do you get more people into IT teams to better reflect the country that we live in? Um, it's, it's really, I, it's a really interesting question. This one, I was trying to work out whether or not is there a diversity 
problem or do we just need to wait a little while? Because I think, is it, a, is it a generational thing that if, you know, if I look at the, the university grads today and the makeup of a lot of the, the younger people in the teams coming through, that there's a huge amount of diversity starting to come through um, where traditionally it wasn't. Um, so, you know, that being obviously gender and cultural diversity, you know, it, it's literally a combination of the United Nations and most technology teams these days. Um, I think there's still a gender divide um, that tends to sort of follow functional lines. Um, and maybe that's that will change over time. But there's, I think, just in, at least in my experience, um, there, are, there seems to be more of one particular gender around some parts of technology sort of support and implementation than others. So if you look at your, you know, your classic BA, uh, developer, QA, you know, um, whether it be program manager, product, uh, product owner, there seems to historically have been a gender divide. Hopefully that's changing um, as people come through. I think the things we can do literally is just give people the opportunity um, is, is one thing. So, um, you know, bias is, is, you know, unfortunately still prevalent in the organisations um, across New Zealand. But I think with such a big focus on it over the last five years, it's it's certainly making huge inroads um, around that that type of uh, makeup of a team, bringing people diversity of thoughts kind of an interesting one, um, and in technology folk may only look within themselves to come up with ideas. And I think making sure that you involve other people from within the organisation itself. Um, even though they may not be technology um, uh, back or have a technology background, having just that diversity of thoughts are really important. Um, new new ways of thinking, old ways of thinking are really important as well. Which is we've you know, things don't work a certain way because of X. So how do you actually start thinking about uh, other aspects of of how the organisation has traditionally delivered services? How's it going to work in the future? So it's 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 a really interesting area, um, but hopefully hopefully it's improving. Um, I like to I like to think my team pretty much ticks almost all the boxes across the board for everything um, in that space, and you know that's something that I I can be a role model in is that's the way I want my team to be, or and you know uh, and then drive that forward into uh, future roles that I have as well. Great to hear. So, Miles, when you reflect back on your own career, then are there any kind of mistakes or or things when you look back on them, even though they might be a bit uncomfortable, you really learned from them and they really helped shape you as a leader? Yeah, I think big, biggest mistakes, I think in technology, you are you are always learning in, in any role. And I think being in um, leadership roles, you still make mistakes. We're all human. Um, and as long as you learn from those, that's, that's really important. I think for me, um, just maybe just one of the mistakes I've probably made is is wanting to go faster than the team can execute, uh, and that that translates into a whole bunch of you know, outcomes that you don't expect. Um, when you are driven towards an outcome, you can get too focused on the the pace of change, and you lose focus around that change management piece for the team. Um, 
So in order to sort of try and work through that, it's it's really understanding what the team have on their plates already and uh, making sure that you are giving the, the team the, you know, the, the next line to get to without asking them to go faster than they can actually execute because you'll, you'll end up either breaking the team um, and uh, your, your quality can suffer as a result of that. But I think that's probably one of the biggest learnings I've, I've you know, been able to have is just pacing yourself and pacing the execution and um, you know, making sure that uh, you are not necessarily slow and steady wins the wins the race. I, I don't think that's quite what I'm suggesting, but certainly um, making sure that you are pushing the team just just right um, and getting that right balance. So, what advice then would you give to someone who is aspiring to be a, a CIO or a chief digital officer or, or hold a, a senior IT leadership role? Um. I think probably probably two things. One is connect, connect with senior leaders. Um, there's a lot of us out there, and many of us want to share our experiences and mentor others. Um, so if I was if I was an aspiring IT leader, find someone in the industry that's not in your organisation. There's there's a number of senior leaders out there that would love to share their experiences and mentor others. So that would be my first advice. And it's something which I didn't do. And um, you know, hindsight from all those years ago is, is something which is going, well, if only um, technology would have enabled me to do that better, uh, first of all. But secondly, um, if I'd known that, I would have perhaps made more of an effort in, in that connection piece in, in my early career. So that would be the one thing. Um, and also probably the second one is, is don't settle for the status quo. Um, challenge the norm. Um, continuously drive to be the best you can be. Uh, that's probably, if you sit still, um, I guarantee you'll be still sitting still in you know, 36 months, four years time. So keep pushing yourself. Now, finally, you know, it's been a rough start to 2023 and, and there's a lot more months left in the year. So what's important to you as we head into the rest of 2023? Um, oh, just get, getting, getting to the end of the year would be good. Um, but uh, aside from that, I think uh, within the organisation itself, um, just the big focus again, just around team culture. Um, team culture is absolutely important for us and what we need to achieve. Um, delivery. So we've got some some still some big things coming up, uh, and that requires some significant stakeholder management. So focus around delivery, team culture, and just making sure we're doing the right thing for the organisation. Prioritisation. Is, is always something that we we have to balance, and there's going to be some things that we want to do, which is literally don't have capacity for. So making those right choices, uh, and again delivering what's the right thing for the organisation. Those are, those are probably very similar for most most people, I would imagine. Yeah, but given the year that we've come off, 2022, the the expectation that 2023 was going to be a big year for everyone, uh, with like you said, we've started off with a a bit of an interesting start. Um, and, and so the focus for the next sort of um, what are we, uh, next eight months um, is, is going to be quite significant. And I think making sure that you protect your team uh, in the execution and just pacing the change that can be absorbed, I think is going to be a really interesting balance um, for us just to work through and probably for, for many others as well. Indeed. 
Miles Cordyce, Chief Digital and Innovation Officer. Ryan, thank you so much for your time today. That's all right. Pleasure. Thanks, Kathy.